They may not know everything about sports, but the view from their couch is pretty good. So kick back and enjoy a brew, because you know they already are. Here is Eric Dorsch. What Justin really meant to say was, go blue. Russ Ivanek. Taking out of my logical mind for a minute. He's just fun to watch. And Justin Marcus. Just, just, just park the khaki elephant in the room. I don't... I, this is Armchair Sports Talk. From the 33-yard line, Mahomes surveys, flushed out again, chased down the sideline, getting free is Kareem Hunt. And Kareem Hunt is able to get Kansas City right back into the game. From the 25-yard line, play action, Mahomes steps up, going deep, that field wide open again is Hill. Inside the 30, Hill down the sideline, Hill all the way. Welcome into Armchair Sports Talk. I'm your host, Eric Dorsch. That was two of the better throws I've seen this year by a guy who I'm going to catch a lot of flack for saying this, guys, but I think right now Patrick or Mahomes might be the best quarterback in the league. I, I think he definitely, yeah, see, oh, I think he might be the best quarterback in the league right now. He's just, he's playing a different type of football from everyone else. I watch him, and all this pressure's in his face. He never seems to, you know, get flustered and somehow always works downfield and finds the man. And that's coming from someone who watched Aaron Rodgers the other night do you know, do what he does, lead him down the field for the winning uh, for the winning plays. But I think Mahomes might be the best right now. Russ, uh, you don't agree with me, do you? Uh, I think he's the most exciting. That, I mean, that's for sure. He's appointment, he's appointment television anytime they play. Uh, but saw what the Pats did to him in the first half, and, and he was woefully rookie-like uh, for the first couple quarters there. So uh, I think it's a little soon to put the crown on him, but he keeps at this pace, and he will be in the next two years, three years. Yeah, Woefully rookie-like or just finally leveling off? I mean, the guy, I'm, I, correct me if I'm wrong, the guy only has two interceptions on the year, and obviously they were in the first mm-hmm. half, but then he, he kind of got his head, you know, got his head on straight and Handled his business. I mean, the guy right. is just playing phenomenal football. Doesn't help that he's got one of the best tight ends in the league, a receiver that's quick as lightning, and one of the better running backs in the league. So it's just he's he's a lot of fun. I, like you said, he's a, he's an appointment football. He's a lot of fun to watch right now. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah he's a uh, he's something else the way he throws the ball, man. <laughs> that oh. that one strike to Tyreek Hill at the end of the game, uh, it was a blink and you miss that kind of play. Absolutely that was unreal. If anything, he might, and this this one you can actually probably debate, but if anything, he definitely probably has the strongest arm in the league. Oh, yes. I'll agree with that. So, Justin, do you agree with either of those things, or are we going to get anger out of you? No, 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 no. No anger out of me. Uh, (laughs) Mahomes is the real deal. I mean, you might see that out of a rookie for the first couple weeks, but uh, we'll be saying Mahomes for years to come. Um, And honestly... I wish all quarterbacks ran out of the pocket like Mahomes does because when you watch a play develop and you see a breakdown on the O-line and then he goes out into the flat and does something magical, like sign me up for that kind of football every Sunday, Monday, and Thursday for the rest of my life. Oh, definitely. He 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 really is. He's one of those guys where I said a couple weeks ago, if you're going to build a prototype of a quarterback you want, you, there's not going to be a lot you're going to change out of Patrick Mahomes' game. Like He, he really does everything the way you kind of want it to be done, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, that's really all we have to talk about for the NFL because our Detroit Lions <laughs> didn't play this week. It was kind of, it's a little weird. Uh, I mean, obviously they're only a couple games into the year, but it's a little weird to watch the rest of the NFL and then not see the Lions. And 
Now now they come back. They're going up against the uh, Miami Dolphins, who are coming off a win. It, it's it's a it's weird because I I find this especially odd. The Lions are not favored in this game, and in my head, I always think how bad the Miami Dolphins are. But this is a four and two football team right now. They're they're not a bad football team right now. No, but I'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that line changes now that Tannehill has been ruled out, and they have to. Uh... They have to hope it's another day in Brocktober on Sunday. <laughs> you took yeah. the words out of my mouth, Russ. I mean, that that line <laughs> has to change now. There's no way. There's no way it stays. Yeah. Now, this is kind of interesting, too, because Brock Osweiler, he, he almost, like, obviously not to this extent because of the year this guy had last year, Brock Osweiler's kind of becoming the new Case Keenum. Like, he, he keeps bouncing and keeps getting opportunities wherever he goes. And granted, this is one game, but it's one game where – as Russ said in the text, led them down the field in OT to a game-winning field goal. Like, Brock Osweiler gets opportunities and he either misses entirely or for some odd reason realizes that, hey, I can actually kind of play this game of football. Well, you know when he realizes he can play is against the Chicago Bears. The Bears. The Bears. His first start as a Bronco was against the Bears and he won. His first start as a Texan was against the Bears. What his first start as a Dolphin was against the Bears. Who, who could have seen this coming? Probably you, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I thought, no way in hell, but here we are again. Um, maybe somebody will give him $72 million again. That sounds like a good idea. Well, mm. C- Cleveland's no longer in the market for a quarterback, so that probably <laughs> won't happen. Without them, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, who knows? It'll be interesting, though. I mean, this is a Miami Dolphins team that I'm not, you know, crowning them as anything. They still, they're still in that division. They're still a New England team that doesn't seem to, you know, ever go away, even when they come off to rocky starts. So they've still got some work to do. But this is a pretty good football team. They've got a, a decent running game. They seem to be lucking out when it comes to quarterbacks. I mean, Tannehill goes mm-hmm. down last year. They get Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler manages to be okay. Tannehill goes down again this year. Brock Osweiler just happens to be there. So it's going to be interesting. They're, in my opinion, they might be the best team in Florida right now because Jacksonville doesn't seem to have any clue what the hell they're doing. But I don't know about that. Jacksonville doesn't look very good right now. Jacksonville does not look great. But they're still better than Miami, though. Miami's 4-2 and right now playing pretty good football. I like Jacksonville... Mm. Jacksonville has no offense right now. Right, but I, conversely, like Miami has one rushing touchdown on the year from Frank Gore. Okay, the Lions had one rushing touchdown on the year for five years in a row. Cause and we, and we don't they have haven't been game. all that good. Maybe that's not a good example. Yeah, but I'm just saying, the running game doesn't necessarily dictate success. But I'm just saying, I Tampa Bay, I don't, you don't know what you're going to get. Because I still am not sold on Jameis Winston being a uh, a franchise quarterback if, if you ask me the second he got healthy i would have had him on the trading block just stick with uh fitzpatrick guy's proven he'll he'll keep you in games uh i i'm i i was big on jacksonville but the problem with jacksonville is they have no quarterback they don't uh, leonard fournette's out with no real sign of when he's coming back they kind of go for a reach bringing in jamal charles who i don't think is going to really perform that much that defense is a good defense there's nothing against that defense but you need to be able to score points to win games. Defenses is, are not capable of holding teams to three points every week. So it's just one of those things where Miami 
seems to be the team that's kind of playing quasi the best football right now. They, they seem to be as complete of any team in Florida right now, I guess would be the way to say it. Believe me, I, I'm, not, I'm I, not anointing them a uh, playoff champion here. I think we've got our uh, our next Twitter poll all set up there. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. I'm, I'm with it. I am. Listen, you guys can't doubt that of those three, Blake Bortles is the worst quarterback of those three. Blake Bortles is not the guy that's going to get Jacksonville to the next level of football. You need a quarterback in this league. That's been proven all throughout, and I don't think Blake Bortles is that guy. I think Jacksonville is kind of being a little delusional, thinking that all of a sudden the light's going to flip on in that guy's head, and he's just going to start balling out. And Leonard Fournette's injured, and you don't know when he's coming back. So this season can't be a wash. You have a great defense. You need to accept it, go out, get the pieces, and keep going. This season's still early enough that you have a chance. That's just where I sit on it. Yeah, I mean, but all of them can't be so lucky as to have Brock Osweiler come in and steal a win. That's true. That's true. You... See, the only the only thing I don't like about the Osweiler thing is like, why can't we have a backup quarterback? Like, like these journeymen <laughs> who keep going. Like, we made Matt Flynn look historic with the Packers. <laughs> and it's just like, why can't we have that? Why can't we pay him just a little bit of money, put him on the bench? We're stashing Abdullah. We might as well stash a, a a sturdy backup of a QB. Like, if this if this is you know Stafford not available for the Miami Dolphins game. The game's over. Like I just, it sucks that we don't have those fortunes like other teams. But I guess that's sports for you. Because all our money goes to a defensive uh, lineman who's picking splinters out of his ass because he can't play football. Hey, he's coming. He's coming back this week. He's yeah, healthy. He'll, that, how what, long? He how long will that last? For a half? I give him seven minutes. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's about. So you're saying he'll probably like you know strain his leg in warmups. It's just, it's tough. But yeah, we we. We started talking about this game. We might as well talk about it. Uh, Lions 2-3 and three, coming off the bye, so they get a little time to relax, try to get some health, you know, some guys healthy that were not healthy uh, in these games. Miami 4-2. and two. To me, this is a 50-50 game. I mean, the, the line right now is 51-49. to 49. So, to me, this is a 50-50 game. Uh, Two-and-a-half point spread. How? I have no freaking clue. But two-and-a-half-point spread, I, I'm going to be the bold one here. We're coming off a bye. Everyone's got a chance to relax and kind of get healthy, get fresh. Momentum's kind of on our side because we played a great game against uh, Green Bay and where Mason Crosby forgot that he's supposed to kick the ball through the uprights, not around it. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with the W. Lions 3-3 three and three after this, traveling, or I mean coming, you know, going to Miami, 3-3. Three and three. I'm going to go with the W here. And it's going to be a W by 10. Wow. That, nice. That's where I'm sitting win. with that one. Okay. Russ, what do you got? So, I, for me, it boils down to, well, what's, what's been the formula for winning for the Lions? And it's been, if a running back on the other team goes for over 100 yards and the team rushes for over 150, uh, the Lions lose mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. single time. And, and when that doesn't happen, they win, right? So, looking at this Miami we're, a rushing attack. They they average 106.8 rushing yards per game. Kenyon Drake doesn't scare me. Him and his goal line fumbles. Um, so for a team that puts up only 21.7 points per game, bottom half in the league, I don't think they're going to have the horses to run with the Lions. Even if it is a home game, uh, even if they are three and zero at home, but I see where maybe the Lions are the underdogs in this one. I. 
think they find a way to pull it off because Miami's not going to be able to get the run game going quite as much, more due to their ineptitude than the Lions' run ineptitude because, oh, man, that's still there. Yeah, I mean, it's still present. But, yeah, I think it'll be a close one. It'll come down to the last five minutes. But uh, I'll, I'll take the Lions to win it. Maybe by three. Okay, so still covering the spread. Okay. Yeah, by the slimmest of margins. By the slim, yeah, that's fine. Covering the spread is still covering the spread, though. That's money anyway. So, yeah. uh, Jay, what about you? I, I have the same issue that Rush, Rush does with the rushing game. Um, the Lions have allowed the third worst average of rushing yards than anyone in the league at 5.3 yards per carry. Um, if we make Frank Gore look like he's 26 when realistically he's the oldest running back in the league, I'm going to have a problem with that. So if we can limit Gore on the ground, which I think they're going to rely heavy uh, on that with Osweiler taking, um, you know, charge of QB, I think they win. Um, I don't think they, <laughs> See, that's, I think it's, I think that line is very appropriate. Um, it's, it was two and a half, right? Yes. Two and a half. That's got to open up a little bit more. I mean, I don't know if it's going to or not, but I, I say they win, but, like, again, the slimmest of margins, but, and it's going to matter on the ground. We get um, uh, Ansta back, which is excellent, but, you know, if we make Frank Gore look like just a god, I mean, then I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to assess football anymore because he shouldn't be. He's the oldest dude in the league. So they should win, but it could go bad real quickly on the run game for us. Okay, that's fair. Um, not wanting to get too far away from it, I have to ask one question because – these are our two shining, you know, stars right now for us. Uh, Jay, over under, carry on rushes for over eighty yards. Over. 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 I, they they need to feed the ball to him. The the, the 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 clock always ticks faster for running backs than it does for anyone else. And I'm sick of this. this I mean, it, just give him the ball. Let him do what he's. You know, we brought him here to do. So I'm going over for sure. That's what I want to see. Okay, Russ. I'm I'm actually gonna go over as well. I mean, this is they're coming off the bye, and hopefully, hopefully, that's given them enough time to realize, oh shit, Carryon's averaging 5.7 yards per carry, which is the fourth highest mark in the league. Maybe he should get the ball more. Maybe that's how we can win. He's he's got three carries of over 20 yards. That's, there's only a handful of guys, nine more guys in the league that have more than that, and all of them have more carries than him. This is a guy they need to feed. This is a guy he is very productive. Um, and now that they've actually had a week to sit back and view what's happened so far this season, I think they finally do exactly that. Okay, uh, I'm with both of you. It's uh, it's over for sure. I I think he, I think we see him hit 100 yards again. I really do. I, I you guys kind of covered all the points. This is a guy that needs the football. I love that. I love that our passing attack is seeming to you know hit its stride and play well, but I, I also like the f- idea that we might be able to be some semblance of a balanced offense by being able to run the ball more than nine times a game. So, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, that's exactly. high hopes. It's high hopes, but I think we can do it. I've said it for the last couple weeks. If you get carry-on 12-plus carries, good things seem to happen. It's just this weird thing where you're giving <laughs> the ball to someone who's talented and they're showing their talent. So I'm I'm going with it. I'm going to say uh, he he breaks 100 yards this week. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one. I I like watching this guy. I really really do. And it's only a couple weeks in, and I'm already I'm all in. I'm about as all in as you can get it with this one. Oh hell yeah! 
Um, he's also like carry on. He's going to be a staple of this team for like years to come. Like let him, let him dig deep and actually go. Like, I don't, I don't understand holding dudes back. I mean, I'm not an NFL coach. None of us are, but it's like, if you're, if he's our guy, just let him be the guy. I don't, I don't understand why that's so hard for people. Well, speaking of being the guy, the other super talented, uh, Kenny Galladay guys made an emergence this year. He's, you know, come out of nowhere to really, he really is kind of pushing to cementing that number two receiver. And right now he's looking like Stafford's number one choice. Russ, you said it last week. He's may not be over the, always be the first read, but he's always that guy that, you know, Stafford seems to go, no, no, no. All right. Throw it to, uh, throw it to Kenny. Let Kenny do, do what he does. Uh, so the next one has to be Kenny Galladay over 75 yards receiving this week, Russ. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Seventy-five pounds about right, but I'm uh, I'm going to be optimistic and take the over. And, and to illustrate my point, I'm I'm going to play a little game with you guys here. We got uh we got two players. Their names will stay anonymous for a minute here. One of them's got 27 catches for 428 yards, uh, with a 15.9 yards per catch average, and converts uh for a first down 85 percent of his catches. The other one is 33 for 494, average of 15, and also converts at an 85%. Uh, one of them's Kenny Galladay. The other's A.J. Green. That's the company he's already in. That's so I'm going to take the over. Crap. Okay. So Russ has the over, Jay. Um, I'm actually going under just because I don't think it could be a one-man show ever for our wide receivers. We haven't had that since Calvin Johnson. Um I, I love the stats that Russ said. I almost like I'm like eating my own words right now. <laughs> but um, I mean, if he's in company with AJ Green, like the over should be taken every time. Um, I'll go under though. I mean, I, we have a if if we play a balanced uh, you know game plan between the ground game and you know Tate, um, it it should be spread out equally, and I hope that's what they do. But you know, if they rely heavy on Galladay, we get a couple highlights, maybe a play of the week. I, I can deal with that as well. All right. That's fair. Uh, I'm going over. I am. I think I've been high on Kenny since preseason, since when we started doing our, you know, before the season shows. I've been saying nothing but great things about him. I personally think that assuming Tate doesn't come back, which I hope doesn't happen, but assuming Tate doesn't come back, I think you're looking at our new number one receiver of the future. Uh, He's just not no moment seems to be too big for this guy. We need him to come up with a big catch down the middle of the field, he does that for us. We need him. I was talking about that catch uh, last week, Russ, where I didn't want to say who he co- who I compared him to instantaneously, yeah. but we needed that catch. Don't say it. He went up and did it. He, this guy just seems to be, and it just seems like, hey, it, we don't like what we're seeing all the time, but maybe Bob Quinn has an idea what he's doing. Maybe he's done this before and has an idea. He doesn't always go for the most flashy insane picks but you look at the last two years of picks we're talking about three guys he's picked in the last two years to be centerpieces Galladay carry on and I've said multiple times I think Deshaun Hand is going to be a big piece for that defense for the years to come so I'm getting on board with it I say he goes over I don't he's not going to get 100 yards but I I think you know above 75 about 90 yards would be right where I'm going to put him so we'll see what happens there but not going too far from the wide receiver, the question has to be, there's been rumors that some, I, I don't remember the writer's name. If one of you guys does, please put yeah, me in. But he, Bill, Bill Barnwell. Bill Barnwell. Wrote that article about like uh, 10 players 
who are up for who could potentially be traded. They had Golden Tate to Tennessee for a fourth round pick and a wide receiver whose name I don't remember, but looking at his stats, he really didn't he wasn't producing anything that would, you know, seem to be of value to us. I have to ask you guys, Jay, we'll let you go first here. What is the what do you need to get in return to be okay parting with Golden Tate, knowing Tate is not necessarily a guarantee to leave Detroit at the end of this year? Uh, well, to answer your, your question directly, I'd hope for higher than a fourth because he is instant, like, plug him in, you're going to get yards. He's obviously known for catching the ball and getting more yards after the catch. But, like, internally, I hope they don't trade him. Like, I, I'd rather, we, I think we still have a chance in the division. And I know that doesn't mirror, like, what I thought before the season started. But just the way that, like, you know, the Bears just lost, the way the Vikings lost to the Bills. I think this division is still up for grabs, and I would rather gamble not getting rid of them and seeing what we can do going down the rest of the schedule. But to answer your question again, um, I hope for more than a fourth. I know he's on the older end of things, but like if you want guaranteed status, that's a golden tape. He, he, he guarantees you results. Okay, that's fair. Russ, what about you? Your GM, someone makes the call, we want golden tape. What is your? What are you looking to get that you're comfortable parting with Golden Tate? Well, if I'm the GM and someone calls me and says, I want Golden Tate, I'm going to say, yeah, and I want a fancy yacht and to never work another day in my life. And last, you're not getting Golden Tate. This is the guy that was first in yards after the catch last year, second in yards after the catch the year after that, and he's in the top five so far this year. If you, at least the Lions want a chance at contending this year, got to keep him and if we're going to even talk about Tajay Sharp in a fourth the hot trash garbage of an idea that is Bill Barnwell needs a paid day off after writing that article <laughs> yeah that, that was off I you don't do rentals like that in the NFL it doesn't doesn't work that way a fourth round pick is it, it's not worth it for you know 10 games or whatever Golden State it's uh I'm not moving him. I guess is what I'm saying, and I, and I got pretty pissed off about that article. Yeah, no, I I, I was right there with you. I, I I thought it was stupid. The fourth round, taking away the player that comes with it, a fourth round pick for Golden Tate, a guy who is top in the league in yards after catch, is an absolute like Jay said, an absolute spark plug when you put him in. And to me, I've said it multiple times, stature doesn't put him there. I think he's one of the top receivers in the league. Not yeah. not for the fact that he you're never going to get that insane Odell Beckham one hand over the corner catch from him. He's one of those sure-handed. He's like a Wes Welker more talent. He, he's sure-handed, gets the ball, does what he needs to do. He's not upset about going over the middle, knows he's going to get laid out, but he comes up with a big play. He's that hardworking guy you always want. And, I mean, I, I'm with you guys. I don't want him to go anywhere. But if if I know for a fact, because you got to think they have a better idea than we do, if he's coming back or not, if I have to, you know, say, okay, he's never, he's not resigning with us to me, nothing below, uh, I would say maybe a third and you got to give me a better player than some no name wide receiver. But that's if I absolutely have to part ways with this guy, truth be told, I don't want to part ways with this guy. Uh, the guy I wouldn't have a problem parting away with is the next dude. Uh, Russ, I want you to go first on this one because I know Justin's feelings about this guy and I, I, I need a condensed dose of salt, so I need him to take a minute to stew. <laughs> uh, Amir Abdullah, 
We're yep. carrying running backs. We've got quite a few running backs right now, and he appears to be the guy that's expendable. This, obviously, you're not going to get very much for, but if someone calls you, like, again, your GM, someone calls you up tomorrow, they need that running back. You know, Jacksonville needs a, they, I mean, they have Charles, but if Jacksonville had called fishing for Abdullah, what are you getting in return to part ways with Amir Abdullah? Uh, can I ask for Tajay Sharp in a fourth-round pick? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's fine. That's more than I think Amir Abdullah is worth. So if you can oh, get that, no, go but, for it. Yeah, much more. No, I mean, if if the Lions can get a fifth for Abdullah, I, I'd call that a win. I think anything a sixth and more is more reasonable. Um, that being said, I don't think they move him because Agnew just got put on IR, mm-hmm. and it looks like Abdul is probably going to be the primary kick returner now. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, if Jacksonville or someone of that ilk came calling, uh, it wouldn't take too much to buy him away. That's that's more than fair. All right, everyone, um, if you're not a healthy individual, you might want to turn the podcast off for a few <laughs> minutes. It's going to get very salty. Justin Marcus, Amir Abdullah, what do you need to say bye-bye? I don't want to say goodbye to him. He's a great voice in the locker room. Oh, God. He probably helped out with the towels. Uh, no, he can go. He can, he can go away. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, it, it concerns me because, like, the Patriots did this with running backs. They always just work guys in and out, and they keep guys, and they extend guys, and they pick up guys. And, like, I don't have time for that with a team that has a track record of being a terrible, you know, ownership and drafter of running backs. Like, get what you can while you can and move forward. So even though I don't really trust, like, you know, the pickings of uh, of Quinn just quite yet, but, like, he's got value. We watched Sue walk out of our building. We got nothing for him, okay? We watched Eric Ebron leave. We got nothing in return for that, and he's doing wonders uh, in Indy right now. I would move him as soon as humanly possible and just say yes. When they send you the email, don't even read it. Just say yes and make the trade official and watch what walks through your door. Okay, well, Justin, that 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 took a real 180 in my my eyes. I really thought you were serious for a second there about not no. wanting to say goodbye to no. him. Um, I'm right with you guys, Russ. Uh, you're what you said was I think about the highest we could hope for Abdullah, yep. a fifth round pick. Uh, I heard sixth. Uh, you're not going to get a lot for this guy because, truth be told, he hasn't shown enough to merit being worth anything higher. I mean. It'd be one thing if Amir Abdullah was like a like a Devin Hester on kick returns, and brought the theoretic aspect of he can run the ball, but he's also good as a pass catcher out of the backfield. He's not the I mean he's not a bad at it. He's just he's not too great at it. So I think fifth sixth round pick is is reaching is about as high as you can hope to reach for this guy. Truth be told, I, I think. I think eventually you're just going to have to part ways with him and call it a, another failed draft pick. We've had plenty of those over the last 15 years. We might as well just add one more to the pile. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, since we're talking about the Lions and the Miami Dolphins, we might as well move to play of the week since a uh, few of us seem to really want to stay with the Miami Dolphins for some reason. <laughs> uh, plays of the week, uh, week six. I I don't want to know where the tally's at because I'm pretty sure I'm still losing. Uh, I'm guessing Russ is still in the lead. I don't. I, what was the final? Does anybody remember who the uh, who the one, who won this past week? No, but I can look it up. Yeah, I'm looking right now. I'm I'm almost positive Russ won again, but I didn't even vote for my own. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I did. I'm I'm selfish. I, I only yeah, I, didn't, I voted for Russ. So Russ oh, won. So you. yeah, so oh, Russ won. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, with 
out of the vote. I hate you. Um, it's a good win for us. He, he seems doing a lot. Uh, don't vote for him again this week, guys. Uh, so this, do. yeah, this week's players of the week: two Miami, one not Miami. So why don't we'll, we'll break them up? We'll break them up. We'll uh, we'll lead off with Russ. Uh, Russ, this was your choice for play of the week. The snap, the kick for the win. It's good. It. Dolphins win it in overtime. Russ, give me your reasoning. Why, of everything that happened this week, why is that your play of the week? Well, because first off, I'm on a lifelong campaign to get rid of ties in football, and that prevented a tie. Okay. So that's reason one. But reason two is Kenyon Drake fumbled on the goal line in overtime. And then and then the Bears come marching back down the other side of the field, line up for a field goal, and Brock Osweiler, of all people, looks at Kenyon Drake and says, don't worry, they're going to miss. He does, and then they drive down and win the game. What, what kind of black magic version sacrifice did this guy do to make this happen? <laughs> I don't know what it is. But it was amazing, and hopefully that's all the luck he's got, and he can go put up a nice goose egg this next week. But for last week, I think that was a pretty damn. Good. That's not a bad play. Uh, next up is, if I if I have to be a betting man, uh, this would be my my bet for who's going to win it this week, and it's not even mine. Uh, Justin, here is your play of the week. On second and ten. Quick pass, and that one is intercepted by the Jets. Touchdown, Morris Claiborne. All right, Jay, what's your reasoning behind this one? All right, so that game had 76 points scored in it, which clearly covered the over of 48. Uh, the line was two and a half. This game was outrageous. Um, the Just the electric play to start the game, it was a triple-touched pass, pick six, one of three, which was thrown that day, uh, that the Jets recovered. Um, I just that ball bouncing around reminds me of a hockey puck and how every goal is pretty much like a fluke and lucky. But that was unreal that that's how the game started. Um, also, I'm pretty sure that was Mike Tirico on the call, and his voice is just golden. So anytime he does something, he will get my play of the week. So that's, <laughs> that is that's mainly why. It's mainly just a shout out at Mike Tirico because he's the man. Jay, I know this isn't going to mean a lot to you, but do you know where Mike Tirico lives? Um, he is actually a Michigan native, I believe. He lives in Ann Arbor. He lives Ooh, in the I would good. like to change my play of the week. He lives in a uh, good <laughs> choice of city. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we'll have to talk to Mike about that. Yeah, we'll have to talk to Mike about it. That's fine. Uh, another good, it's a great play. Mine, I, mine is definitely reaching. Mine's just more for the fun because this is something you don't see a lot of, and getting to see it, it, it was awesome. Uh, it is a play from the Miami Dolphins-Chicago Bears game. In motion. Osweiler looks his way into the game of the minute. And that's complete to Danny Amendola. And he flipped up in the air. That'll draw a flag. After the play, personal foul, unnecessary roughness, number 94. Defense, half the distance for the goal. First down. It shouldn't have been flagged. It really shouldn't have been flagged. I mean, I don't know if either of you guys saw that play, but to me, what's the point of flagging that play? Good, clean football play in my in my opinion the sport's going downhill man i don't know if the, the <laughs> flags are unnecessary this year i mean to be honest the dude did wwe like super flip him but uh i i mean the way i look at it was it a little over the top absolutely 
But the thing to me that sticks out is if Amendola, for some odd reason, gets loose, gets out of him holding him, and takes it for another twenty yards, they're not gonna you know they're not gonna bring him back. They're gonna say he got those extra twenty yards. So truth be told, you play till the whistle blows, but you also play till you get the guy down on the ground, so that there's no fluke way that he could get past you and potentially score a touchdown. That's the defense's responsibility to stop you from progressing forward. So I, you say. You're saying it should be more like a trial by combat kind of deal that you're not down until you're dead. Yeah, there can be only one. Okay. You're going into battle. Uh, I mean, listen, yeah, like it, if you see the play, he grabs him under the leg and literally just super flips him in the air. It's it's crazy, but at the same time, it, it's one of those things where it, it's an entertaining play to see. I understand why they flagged him and all that because it really wasn't a classic wrap him up, take him to the ground tackle, and there's a million other ways he could have gotten him down. I mean, Danny Amendola is not a big guy, and uh, Leonard Floyd is, so it, it makes sense. <laughs> but at the same time, it was a fun play to see. It was cool to watch him, you know. It was something you don't see very often. It literally looked like something out of a video game where the guy grabs him and does his finishing move and super spins the dude. So, uh, it you, was know, cool. you know who's got to be loving this right now? You know, we, the NFL changes all these rules on the quarterback and whatnot and uh, just player safety in general. Yeah. The XFL. They have to absolutely love that people have such outrage against this stuff and then in walk, walks the XFL in a couple of years, and that's probably what they're going to promote is the exact issue that the NFL has right now. Yeah, I could see that. You know what it reminded me of? I don't remember. You know, I played video games as a kid. Did either of you guys ever play NFL Blitz where you could just hit the guy like – Oh, yeah. That's seven old, yeah. seconds after the play it reminded me of that like a big hit where like three guys hit him and he ping pongs in the air it was just it was entertaining it was fun to see and uh i think you should choose it as play of the week <laughs> <laughs> uh moving on oh this is not going to be fun to talk about russ uh moving on to college football this week michigan michigan state face off it's it's finally here two of us against jay uh, Justin, your Spartans, they pulled it out last week. You weren't here to defend them when we made our predictions. Obviously, Russ and I didn't give them a lot of chance, but Michigan State, 21-17. to 17. I know you were in Seattle, didn't get a chance to uh, watch the game. I'm assuming you've seen it since, or at least seen the highlights oh, yeah. for it. Uh, give, a, give me your opinion on this 21-17 win over the Nittany Lions. So would I have been on the podcast, I would have told you they're going to lose the game. Um, I'm very shocked that they won. A um, couple, couple embarrassing things that happened I did not like. First of all, Sanders is TD for Penn State that no one can wrap him up. That's embarrassing. Um, I, I, I'm not a fan of how that went down. Um, I'm also sick of seeing a rookie throw interceptions. Um, he has eight touchdowns and seven interceptions on the year. That is, that is not what I expect out of Michigan State caliber quarterback. Um, some positive items, which are rare to come out of my mouth. Uh, when the O-line showed up, uh, it was awesome. Um, they gave him some time to develop plays. Um, I know that some coverages were poor by Penn State, um, but, you know, that last play of the game, they gave Lewerke a chance to wait, establish, read the play, and drop a bucket right into um, Felton Davis's hand. So that was nice. Um, I do like the trickery. Uh, that was extra special to see. I highly doubt they pull it off again. Uh, versus Michigan, um, but you know they've got they've done that a couple of times. They did it against Northwestern with a fake field goal, um, so that was special. But like all in all, I would have picked them to lose this game because all the things have to happen right for them to win. Um, they're showing an ability to put certain things together, but it has to click at the right time. Um, and I hope that happens against Michigan. But 
Um, our leading carrier on the ground uh, in terms of carries is our quarterback. Um, we're down LJ Scott, but uh, Lewerke has 55 carries on the year. I mean, if, if that's how we're going to run and that's how we're going to beat teams, then we have to stick to that because our run game is pitiful, um, especially for a run game that they try to feature so much in the first part of the year uh, to not really show a whole lot and look a little vanilla. So okay. I, my, my Spartans are tough. They're tough to watch right now, but I was shocked that they beat Penn State. Uh, my question for you, Jay, because you weren't here last week to talk about it. Russ and I did talk about it. Uh, we're we're six games into the year. They, 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 Michigan State has played six games. Lewerke on the season has attempted 225 passes in six games. Averages out to about 30 attempts a game. The last three games, he's averaged 50-plus. or he's, he's thrown the ball 50-plus times. A little concerning mm-hmm. about the fact that Brian Lewerke has to th- chuck the ball up 50-plus times in order to keep this team at all in games? Yeah, I, I think it's indicative of how we think we're approaching each game differently and trying to morph into something different every week. Like if I, You can't rely on a guy to, to hit him at that rate. Um, Lorgi's good, but I, that's way too high for me to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think 50, 50 attempts is a lot unless you're Texas Tech. But it's it's... It is what it is. I mean, Spartans have a winning record right now. You come into the, this Michigan game with a lot of confidence now. I mean, if you walk away from this game with anything less than, you know, esteemed confidence, it's it's a little questionable. But on the other side, Russ, start of the year, Trace McSorley was your guy. You liked him yeah. as a Heisman guy. 19-32, 192 and a touchdown. Only ran the ball 13 times for 37 yards to average three yards a carry. It's a pretty obvious answer, but it, I guess it has to be asked anyway. This Nitty Lion team will only go as far as Trace McSorley takes them. Very true. And Michigan State just showed that the recipe is get him out of the pocket and contain him when he does. Um, and that completely negated his rushing ability, forced him into some awkward throws, and he just he, he wasn't up to the task. I mean, this is the only time, except for against Central Michigan, that Michigan State has let a quarterback throw for less than 250 yards. Mm-hmm. It, it came against a guy who's supposed to be a Heisman front runner. That was it. Was it was, it was very surprising? Uh, hey, to Michigan State's credit, their defensive line really woke up and, and disrupted him. But yeah, this Nittany Lion team is exactly going to go as far as McSorley takes them. Which. Judging by how they're playing right now, it might not be super far. There's a lot. No. Of, there's a lot of talent to have to go against in this Big Ten, and I mean, we still have to play them. So I'm not getting too far ahead of ourselves here because I'm not saying overlook Trace McSorley. The guy is a, a great athlete, and I agreed with you at the start of the year. He is a front runner for the Heisman. I mean, he really is. I think everyone's scrambling to be second place. The way Tua's playing down there, I think Alabama's got a lot of. A lot of hardware coming to them at the end of this season, but mm-hmm. Trace McSorley is a hell of a player. Another team that's supposed to be a Big Ten, you know, powerhouse. Unfortunately, they play in the junior varsity division of the Big Ten. Was Wisconsin, and they didn't look too good uh, against Michigan, which I'm not upset about. But they did not look too good against Michigan. Michigan 38, Wisconsin 13. Uh, Russ, I'll ask you this: We were talking about this before the show started. Uh, have you you were actually were there live for this game? Have you ever seen a worse performance out of a quarterback 
than Alex Hornibrook in those first almost almost all four quarters, but those first three quarters for sure. Sadly, yes, I have because I went to the University of Michigan during Rich Rod's years. <laughs> <laughs> so I've Fair. seen it worse on that field before. It's very yeah, true. It was it was really bad. Um, I'll say this: he had a seventy-five yard drive to score a touchdown. Now, granted, it was their last drive, and it was when the game was out of reach, and he only had twenty-five yards passing leading up to it. Uh, but hey, he had one good good drive, I guess, which is which is why I can say it's better than some other things I've seen. Okay, it's fair. Uh, I I really enjoyed watching this game because to me, this was the culmination of. Michigan kind of finally firing on all cylinders. Again, not a not a gunslinger day for Shea. 14-21, 124. Didn't throw a touchdown or an interception. But to complement it, nine carries for 90 yards, 10, 10 yards a carry for a touchdown. Karan Higdon, 105 rushing yards on 19 carries. And my nominee for play of the game, even though it was a meaningless play at the time, Dylan McCaffrey, one carry, oh, yeah. 44 yards for a touchdown. Every time I watch this guy step on the field, all I think about is, oh, dear Lord, it's going to be so much fun when he starts all the time. And I love Shea. I really, I love Shea Patterson. But Dylan McCaffrey is just looking like the next great thing for U of M football right now. Absolutely. It looks like he will step right into what Shea Patterson's doing and, uh, probably provide a little more with his likes than Shea is. Yeah, which is not a bad thing since that offensive line seems to break down pretty quick for Shea. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, obviously, this was a fun game to watch from the aspect of that everything was great. But the real question I have for this is, we're going against a team that has a good run defense in Michigan mm-hmm. State. You're welcome, Jay. But well, great uh, you say that again, Let's not miss forward. Yeah, don't worry, Jay. We're we're coming to the other side, but on the flip, they have one of the worst pass defenses in the league. A little little questionable on if we're going to see Shea Patterson be able to handle because obviously, if the run defense plays the way it should, Shea's going to have to chuck this ball a lot more than twenty times. So it's one of those things where have we seen enough out of Shea to be comfortable going into a game? We're run, running the ball may not be as easy as it's been for us the rest of this year. No, it, it's going to have to be a completely different game plan. I mean, against Wisconsin, it was 21 passes and 48 runs. Uh, you're not going to be able to do, do that against the Michigan State defense that always the top rush defense in the nation right now with only 62 points per yards per game given up. Uh, but, yeah, that 286 yards through the air they give up, you know, outside of the top 100, that's something that they exploit, um, and we'll be seeing we'll be seeing if Shea Patterson can return to what he did against some lesser opponents uh, as far as through the air because it's really been dialed back the last couple weeks as they've started to uh, up the difficulty in the schedule. But if they're going to win, it's going to have to be through his arm and not through his legs. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, well, it's that time. It's. Uh... This, is, this one could get heated, I think. Uh, we'll see how rational everybody's really thinking. This Saturday, noon game, number six. That's right, Jay. We're in the top ten now. Number oh six, Michigan. Don't, don't <laughs> against number four, number 24, Michigan State. It's in East Lansing, so you get a little favoritism there. Michigan's a, almost, just a little under, almost 70% 
for the matchup predictor. Uh, it's a seven-point spread. Justin will let you go first. What are we seeing out of this game? And as close as you can, give me a final. All right. So to touch on what the two of you just talked about, I wanted to mention something there too. State wins this game. And for the exact reason that you guys are worried about Patterson, or more not worried, be more reliant upon his arm, the two good opponents that Michigan has faced this year, in my opinion, is Notre Dame and Northwestern. Uh, against Notre Dame, you had 24 completions against that defense, which is the highest amount of completions you've had all year round. Conversely, you scored zero touchdowns against both of those opponents together. I am not worried about Shea Patterson and his arm and our backfield. I understand we have the best rushing defense, but I think we have a better-than-average backfield to deal with Shea Patterson, who hasn't thrown a touchdown against any worthy opponent this year. Um, with that said, Michigan has to have a or Michigan State has to have a better game than they have had, um, and I'm not. I just I I can't realistically give Michigan an edge in any way. I understand what the line says. I understand what the predictions are. I also try to keep my allegiance in check as well. But U um, of M relies heavy on the ground game. I think they're going to have to eventually go back to that. And MSU has only allowed two touchdowns on the ground since the first Utah game. So I'm going Michigan State. I'm having them cover, and I'm giving them a double-digit win. Okay. Um, just real quick, it, it's nothing major. I, I, I like what you have to say. You have a lot of confidence in it. Um, but real quick, you, you said that you think you have a better-than-average pass defense, correct? I know it hasn't shown itself no, no, throughout no, no, the year. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Fine, 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 fine. Yes or no? Yes. Clayton Thorson went 31 of 47 for 375 and three touchdowns on you guys. Clayton Thorson, a guy who's probably not even in the top seven of Big Ten quarterbacks right now. I, I'm not saying that Shea Patterson is the second coming. Far from it. But Shea Patterson is much better than Clayton Thorson when it comes to playing football and throwing the football. And the only reason we haven't had to chuck the ball that much is because if you look at it, Kron Higdon is averaging, I think, somewhere around like 110 yards a game. So we haven't really had the need to throw the football. It, that's why we're, we've pretty much become a high school offense because we just hand the ball off. So to say that you think that your pass offense or your pass defense is good enough to contain, I just don't think it is because you, you're forgetting that we have Gentry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Nico Collins, so there's multiple options. Something tells me that that pass defense might get a little exploited. Now, obviously, if you stop us running the ball, we have nothing to do but throw, so you can... You may have a little success, but something tells me that I do not think your pass defense is going to hold up the way you seem to think it is. I see, but the pro, I, the stats are great, but they're coming up against lesser than great opponents. So when you finally stack up these two teams against each other, and Shea Patterson hasn't thrown a touchdown against a worthy opponent yet this year, and again, that's my opinion. There might be a worthy opponent in someone else's eyes, but he hasn't thrown a passing touchdown against anyone who's worthy of getting blown up like that. And I think when you get rid of all the comparisons and you just look at the facts of these two teams and this, these two rivalries of schools, I don't, he might only throw one touchdown against state. Yeah, but seven. To might th only need one. Yeah. You might only need one. 
If this is a just to jump in on that pass defense. I, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but they're giving up 286 yards a game, which is 118th in the nation. That's that's next to Old Dominion and Arkansas. Old Dominion has only been a D1 school for like three years. Yeah, and I, and I can't, I can't, I can't fight it because those are the numbers. And I know when you comparatively look at things, I just in my brain, and maybe this is how I'm trying to rationalize a win. When you just put those dudes on the field and you don't worry about anyone else's crap against any other school and you're just trying to compare both teams, I think we're going to see a stellar uh, secondary out of state. And I could be very wrong, and I'll, and I'll, I'll take my medicine when I'm wrong, but that's, that's where my gut's going on this. So that, and that, but that's why I'm picking them to win. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll oh. see how it shakes out. I, hey, they did show up against McSorley, so yeah, it's no, impossible. Believe me, I, I'm not sitting here trying to bury Michigan State. I'm really not. The thing for me is I, I feel like Michigan State this year is it, it, there's still a little bit of a question mark in there because, yes, our, our big issue right now is we, we fell to Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame's having a hell of a year. So at the end, it doesn't look as bad because Notre Dame was going to be good and they were going to probably win that game. It's just one of those things where that one loss holds on to us. But, Jay, you got to look at this state team. Take Northwestern out of it. Like Northwestern... Like that, that game was it was a little weird. But that Arizona State game is going to come back and get you guys every time because that Arizona State team was a team that you should have absolutely destroyed. Those first two week, first two weeks, both games were within, I mean, thirty eight to thirty one, sixteen to thirteen. Then you got a little momentum and started playing good football. But it's one of those things where I just I think this state team is a flash team. You're going to see it and they're going to do it, but it's not going to be a consistent through and through. No, and that's my biggest knock on them. They only put pieces of things together at, at, at certain times, and sometimes they win. Like, I'm not going to toot their horn that hard, but, like, I, I just hope that, like, to me, this game is the most important game left on this schedule. We're not going to the Big Ten Championship game. We're not going to, uh, you know, a New Year's Six game. I want to put Michigan down. I want to – like, I love you guys as friends. But I want to see you lose. <laughs> so, th- this is, like – this is – this should be like the ultimate moment for state schedule. And I want them to show up and I want them to do things outside of the record books and stats like any fan would, but just, you know, I give Michigan credit. They, they lead the big 10 in fewest average points allowed when defending on the field. And they hold quarterbacks to the lowest average completion percentage. I'll give it to them. Those are stats. It's great. I can't take that away from them, but just, I want to see them put something together that I might not see for the rest of the year. And I can live with that. Okay. That's fair. Russ, uh, we, we, we've talked about it quite a bit now, so where, where are you going with this one? So I, I, I think somewhat predictably, but uh, let's see how I get there. Um, I think something really playing into Michigan State's favor, uh, the reason they won last week, uh, is they finally settled in as the underdog. And that's where that team really plays best. So we, we can talk about the pass defense, which is not above average, statistically. Um, we can talk about quarterback who you know was a 46 percent completion percentage last week um, but this is a team that you can never count out of the game i'm going to pick michigan michigan to win still um they have the second best yard per game average as far as defense goes in, in the nation so this is a strong defense as, as strong as michigan state defense has been michigan's put up better numbers it's in east lansing so that sucks but this is a 23-17 win for Michigan. The spread's, the spread's seven. 
and Michigan State has covered the spread every year for the last decade. So as much as I would love a you know thirty-five nothing blowout win, it's not going to happen. This Michigan State team is going to hang around. They're going to be scrappy. Antonio is going to pull off some trick play at some point, and it's going to piss me off. I'm going to spill my beer, <laughs> but, and it's going to work. But but it's finally not going to be enough because they just don't have they don't have the horses. Um, it's going to come down to Levert Hill and Fent and uh, what's his name, Fenton Davis. And if that if he can be neutralized, banged up LJ Scott if he even plays as the next best threat, that, that's that's not enough to overcome this Michigan defense. So I'll be scared for a while in there, um, but I think I, I think it'll end well. Okay, uh, we've heard both sides. Uh, I'm not going to gang up to one side here. So I'm going to uh, quick bullet points here. Michigan wins this game, uh, 21-14. Shea Patterson, 200 yards, two touchdowns. Karan Higdon doesn't break 100. It's just it, that this deep that run defense is good enough to say that Karan Higdon doesn't break 100 yards. Yep. Flip side, Lewerke has to chuck the ball 50 times again because there's no run game for Michigan State. Felton Davis will have a game. Felton Davis, I, I see being one over 100 yards for sure. Probably, you know, probably both touchdowns are Felton Davis. But what's going to get him is the fact that I just, like I, I tried to emphasize, I don't think their pass defense is good enough. If Shea Patterson can get in a little bit of groove and start realizing that he's got three legitimate downfield weapons to go to if this run game isn't working. It's just a matter of Harbaugh trusting that Shea's quick enough with his feet to buy time if he needs to and to make these plays downfield. He's got a good enough arm to do it. So I'm going 21-14. Michigan wins it. I agree with you, though. This game is not going to be over. It's going to be like every other year. It's not going to be over until a few minutes left in the game, and we're going to have to probably come up big on a final drive to stop them. That's where I'm going with it. i got 21-14 Michigan. But I thought you used to refer to us as R, like we were a we. What's that, Jay? I thought you were like you keep you were saying R a couple podcasts ago, like you were a part of one of us, and now you're going against us. No, no, I I don't know if you you obviously can't see me right now, but I'm wearing uh, I have a Michigan jacket on and a Michigan hat, so there there's no green and green and white in uh, in me, buddy. Sorry, uh, but. Russ, you, you had the perfect transition. We were just in the middle of the conversation. Speaking of really bad defense, let's talk oh. about the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, oh my God. Now, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to lead this one off in a different way because Justin put out a tweet uh, a little bit ago about the fact that the Detroit Red Wings have decided that they're going to retire Red Kelly's number this year. And it's all good. It's all well. For those listeners, you know that a couple, you know, a couple months ago, we had a debate: should Sergei Fedorov's number be retired by the Detroit Red Wings? Now, as, as I, I brought it up to Ju- uh, Justin in the pre-show when we were all talking, Justin said, you "Don't really know the stats. Don't really, you know, can't really get into it." Well, Jay, I have the stats for you. Okay. Red Kelly, in 13 years with the Detroit Red Wings, I'm just going to go with the basic stats: 846 games played. 162 goals, 310 assists, 472 points. Uh, I mean, penalty minutes, all that, pretty much the same. But finished his career a minus nine on the plus minus. Mm. 
with the Detroit Red Wings in 13 seasons, okay? Sergei Fedorov <laughs> played the exact same amount of years with the Detroit Red Wings. 13 years. 400 goals, 554 assists, 954 points, plus 276. Now you can get salty as to why the hell we're retiring <laughs> this dude's number over Sergei Fedorov. Have fun, Justin. I mean, the the hot take a couple weeks ago was that they didn't like the red seats, so no, they're getting rid of that red, and they got to put another red up in the ceiling, and it was this whole thing on red. But like, you read me those numbers, and it's just a, it's obvious. They're, this is the Detroit Tiger special. The Tigers retired two dudes this year because they needed to get people to go to the game to witness a piece of history and hashtag this that and put it on social media. But it's kind of like the joke. Pistons a few years ago when we retired Chauncey, Rip, and Ben Wallace all in the same year. And we had this conversation. Only one of those guys is worth having their numbers in the rafter, and that's a stretch. So no, this this is this is a joke. Like I, I, that doesn't do nothing for me. I'm not. I'm still not going down to the arena. I'm still not paying twenty bucks for a slice of pizza. Like they, they can put as many numbers they want up there. I think there's only like three numbers available through one through ten. Most of them of which are for good reason. But I maybe it's because it's recency. Like our generation. I don't. I can't say I've watched Fred Kelly do anything. But on numbers alone, granted it was a different style of play back then, I, I hate Fedorov, and I would still retire him before Red Flippin' Kelly. That makes no sense. It, it, it's a PR move. It's, a, it's, oh, let's just cover up this one little area in the ceiling by, you know, hanging a drape. So I, it, that does nothing for me. Congratulations. You guys have wasted more money. <laughs> uh, Russ, I, I can't imagine your opinion is that far off, but, I mean, anything in there, justify Red Kelly going to the rafters and not Sergey Fedorov? Well, one and not the other, I don't think so. Um, I think, if anything, this is opening the door for Fedorov. It, it isn't instead of Fedorov, it's before Fedorov. This is a guy that he did leave the team with some bad blood. You know, he, he broke his ankle, right? Mm-hmm. And then Leonard Red Kelly, the man, the myth, the legend, was asked to take his cast off and play with said broken ankle. He did it, and he played well. And then the Wings traded him the day after. <laughs> and, th- and that left a lot of bad blood between, between the organization and the player, really. And that's, I think, what stopped him, really, from being retired sooner. This is the guy that he was the Lidstrom to Iserman's Gordie Howe. Like, he, was, he was back there in the production line days, he went to eight straight All-Star games. This is a guy that won the Norris Trophy and the Lady Bing in the same year as a defenseman. Mm-hmm. He won the first ever Norris. This is I had him a couple months ago when we did our top ten Red Wings of all time. I had him in there. Mm-hmm. The NHL named him one of the top 100 players. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer kind of guy that went in there. I guess the argument against him not getting his number retired as he finished out his career his last eight years with Toronto. But, hey, that also sounds like Fedorov, doesn't it? Let's see, left the organization under bad circumstances, spent a significant amount of time with other organizations afterwards, um, but was a tremendous talent on a, on a multiple cup-winning team. This is greasing the skid. The timing's a little fan-pandering, absolutely. I will 100% be with you on that one. Um, that, that's exactly what it is. I think they're trying to mend fences with him and give the fans a reason to come out. 
and grease in the skids for Sergey Fedorov's number to go back up there. Just wait till they play like Columbus or Washington, and then they'll announce it like they did with Red Kelly. I can't wait till we retire Karen Newman. We'll put her little tuning harmonica <laughs> up there. That will look great next to everything else. I mean, they used to put, like, Kid Rock sold-out concert banners up at the Palace, right? Yeah. Might as well oh throw them up God. there. <laughs> oh, it's nauseating. Well, when you look at the box score since the last time uh, we did one of these shows, uh, there's been three games. And really, I said before the show, there's not a lot good to talk about from those three games. I mean, to me, I told Russ, I think the, the highlight for the three is, I predicted the score of the Toronto-Detroit game correctly. That's about as high of a high point as we got because we fall 5-3 to Toronto and then two days later fall 8-2 to Boston. And then, oh, by the way, two days later we give up another 7 to Montreal. Yes, you heard me right. Montreal and only score three goals. I mean, Justin, if you can find a ray of sunshine, I'll be totally impressed, but... There's just nothing good to say about this Detroit Red Wing team right now. Are, are you challenging me right now to give you some positivity? Or you want me to go down the, the, the list of negativity? You pick. I, I, I want to see. Like You're not Mr. Sunshine when it comes to all this. So I'm saying, if you can find positivity, I'll be impressed. But believe me, if this is a salty rant, I'm not going to be too upset. <laughs> all right. So th- I, I did find a little glimmer of positivity. Okay. When... When the Red Wings are at full strength, I want you to guess which player has to be on the ice that gives the team the highest shooting percentage while they're shooting the puck. Well, it sure as hell not Danny DeKaiser. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm because I know where Justin's brain goes. I'm gonna go with his choice for captain, Luke Lendenning. Russ, what you got? I, I swear to God, if it's Luke Glenn, Glenn Denning, I'm <laughs> probably going to leave. <laughs> I know I know Manta is on there for the largest shot differential, uh, and I'm going to blame most of that on Larkin, so, so I'm going to guess Larkin. Put it this way, if it's Glenn Denning, you're not invited Saturday. <laughs> Ooh, well, my Saturday just got very food because it was Glenn <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. At 15.6%. Dude, he he's right. He he. When he's on the ice, we have the highest shooting percentage, and that that is the only ray of sunshine I have. Because because Glenn Dunning's the man, but it's also tragically embarrassing that he has to be on the ice for, to shoot the puck right. Okay, I mean that's fair. Uh, <clears throat> Russ, you mentioned this guy a lot, so I for my little bit of sunshine, I'm going to put it in as that, and I'll see if you go with it. For me, we're not playing good. We're really not, and we we, we joke all the time. This is just lose to get Hughes kind of thing. But for me, the ray of sunshine might be the fact that we're at least getting to see these young players get ice time. I mean, Bertuzzi, I I like Chalowski. I'm actually kind of a fan of him. Uh, I I hate Luke Glendening and Justin, you're you're (laughs) way wrong. But it's just a matter of, I I think it's that. I'm enjoying watching this team for the one fact that it's not a bunch of 45-year-old guys who are washed up playing. We're actually seeing the future of this team get ice time for the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, that, that part has been nice, at least. So, I guess if you could find anything, I, you mentioned something before the show that we're, uh, that we're not too bad at, but other than that, this is just a bad Red Wings team. 
Yeah, yeah, and and to get to that, uh, the special teams have looked good. I mean, top ten power play, they're converting at you know twenty nine point four percent, and top fifteen penalty kill, uh, they're staving off power play attacks at a seventy nine point two percent. So at least they're above average there. Five on five, obviously a different matter. Um, also, if we want to talk about Glenn Denning with his best shooting percentage, uh, they're also getting caved with only a forty seven percent shot share. Uh, you would have had a better chance going with Bertuzzi, who's forcing a 56% shot share uh, and a 12% five-on-five shot percentage. So not not that far for Glenn Denning, but, you know, they actually get more than five or six shots while he's out there. <laughs> so I, that's actually my one ray of sunshine if I have to pick one out, and that's Tyler Bertuzzi. He's uh, five points in six games. I can't figure out why they don't just staple him to Larkin and Mantha and watch that line go, but they're insistent on putting Helm on the top line. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's a bad team. It's a bad goal differential. Um, six, minus 16, by the way. Arizona's the next close is at minus 7, and Arizona has scored four goals. Yes, total. they have. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's super bad. I mean, granted, Arizona hasn't had the benefit of playing the wings yet up that score total. But uh, this is a team that is looking right at that top chance of getting uh, getting Mr. Jack Hughes. 18.5%, lock it in. Please, Jack Hughes, just just stay in Michigan. That's what I'm can, looking can I give you another? Can I give you another stat of why we're going to be getting Hughes? Sure. Yeah. Out of the top 10 players that are paid on this team, they get paid $45.95 million. They have only scored five goals. That's what that's what forty five million dollars is getting you is five goals on the season from the top ten dude. Who who is that? Like Franzen, Advocator, Eric Indikaiser. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kyle Quincy five times over. Zetter Zetterberg it, it, obviously is contributing there, so yeah. Yeah. I, I legitimately yeah, think KHL the, contract, the contract of Stephen Weiss, I think it's still on the books too. So let's not forget that. Don't joke. you dare. Are you serious? Yeah, because yeah, he, he got bought out, and it's still on the books. Well, before we get before we get too too dark, I mean, we want to keep the show as light as possible. Uh, tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Red Wings face off against Tampa Bay. Uh, a little show for Steve Eiserman to see what he's going to inherit next year when he comes back and takes over the Detroit Red Wings, because it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly, I can't say that I have high expectations for that game, but the game that comes up, for me, that's kind of catching my eye is the game after that. Uh, Saturday, we play the the Florida Panthers. Now, Jay, I wanted to ask you, what's going to hurt more, watching Michigan State lose or watching oh. us lose to the Florida Panthers? <laughs> All right, so that's that's Bush League question right there because Florida Florida is the only other team that hasn't won a game yet. It's us in Florida. So if we lose to the only other team that hasn't won yet, that's going to hurt. But <laughs> screw, screw, screw the wings, man! I'm I'm green all day. That like, sigh, that sigh is just the best part. When he really <laughs> he has to accept it, he just ah, it's just, it's not not enjoyable. This is but this is why I'm corrupt. And my my this we haven't dealt with this like unmitigated disaster of a team as long as we've been alive. Like I, I don't remember the last time we haven't won a game in like the first seven or eight games. Like that's they're, they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose to Florida and Tampa. They're, they're not. I think I said it. They're not winning till like November fourth when they play Vancouver. That'll be their first win of the year. Yeah, it's gonna be t- it's gonna be tough to watch. Uh, 
this is not a good hockey team. I, I, I've tried so hard to find the pluses here, and when when I say the the major plus is the fact that we're letting youth play, that's not saying a lot because that means there's nothing good happening. Uh, yeah, it's it's not fun to watch. Uh, to me, it's more, and I, I can't believe I'm going to be the first one to say this. To me, I'm watching these games more to see how my uh, my fantasy players do, just to see mm. how well they can do <laughs> against the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, so you're saying you like that Toronto game a little bit? Oh, good for you. I do because I have Austin Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah, uh, but speaking of that, that 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 is our final topic. Is we have to talk about this. I don't know that I've ever seen a hotter start than Austin Matthews to start this season. This guy is just—he's on fire. And what worries me is that he's on fire early, because I just don't see how this could be something he could sustain through an entire NHL season. Well, it, we uh, we have seen it exactly. Four other times ever. Mm-hmm. He, he became the fifth player in history to record double-digit points in his first seven games, which ties Gretzky, by the way. So pretty good company to be in. Yeah. Um, but he's still five games away from getting to Lemieux's streak. So, he, so he's got some work to do. And uh, I will say this, a uh, certain person's bet is looking real good right about now. <laughs> Justin, it's, it's early. You it's need, early. To, you need to get on the phone with him. Tavares. You need to get on the phone with this guy and tell him to pick it up. I mean, no, Tavares no, no. does have Please. 11 points, still, though. It, he is performing very well himself. Listen, that, that team is Austin Matthews' team. He will be the captain to come. He will be the Gretzky of our generation. He He's everything that he was built to be. I mean, I, I there's no denying that. I think Tavares is a nice piece. I mean, he might get more points. Than um, than Matthews does over the years, but like he Matthews is a real deal. I'll have you guys know that two years ago in our fantasy draft, he went in the last round and I got him. So I, I would just you guys owe me some you guys owe me some credit oh, for, uh, for finding for him. You. Thank uh, you. Uh, now wait, wait, I I I know Justin was just talking, and I'm sure he wasn't fully processing what he said. But I have to ask this question: You just said that he'll be the Gretzky of our generation. So by saying that, you mean he's going to be the best player of our generation. We, a couple of weeks ago, established that there's another guy playing in Edmonton who's supposed to be that. What, what, what is that saying of Connor McDavid then? Uh, I mean, I just, <laughs> it, it, it's hard, it's hard, to, it's hard to evaluate because, I know, I'm just like fumbling over here. Um, it's hard for me to evaluate it because Matthews has so many pieces in the absolute powerhouse that Toronto has established. Um, what Matthews or um, McDavid has Ty Ratty, uh, Drysidel, Lucic. I mean, your your numbers are going to be a little dampered uh, when you're playing next to people like that. Um, and that's no disrespect to them because they're still amazing players, especially Ty Ratty because he's on my team. Um, I just I, oh, I want to say for you. I'm going to use that every time you mention your fantasy team. That's Matthews. Far shooter. <laughs> Matthews. Matthews is legit. Honestly, and it might be, and it's not even too early to say that he's got 148 points in 151 games. If he keeps that up and he's the centerpiece of Toronto, yeah, he's got a shot at doing that. Okay, but <clears throat> to be fair, if you're going to call the guy the best player in the league, it, it has to be because he is that good individually. Because while hockey is a team sport, the best player is usually an individual talent. Are we saying, and Russ, I'll let you go first here. Uh, are you? Are we saying, and I know you're not saying, Justin's saying, that 
Austin Matthews has the potential to surpass Connor McDavid as the most talented player in the NHL, even though it's early in the year? I am not saying that. (laughs) (laughs) I I think Austin Matthews has the ability to lead the league in goals, potentially. Um, this, This is a guy that, if he even kind of continues at this pace, we need to start talking about him as a top three, top five player in the league. Um, but he's still getting tremendously sheltered. He's starting almost 64% of his shifts in the offensive zone, a luxury that guys like Connor McDavid are not getting. And he's only owning 47% of the shot chair while he's on the ice. So his defensive game is struggling, even though he is being sheltered in the offensive zone. Now, does the, does the offensive stuff outweigh it? Yeah, you know, most of the time. It's going to, and that's why I think we can start talking about him at the top five. But he's got a lot of his game to round out before we're ready to put him at the top of the league. Okay. Uh, You guys are much more knowledgeable about hockey than I am, but this is the best comparison I can think to come up with. Naturally, these two played on the same team, so taking that out of the equation because McDavid and Matthews don't play on the same team. Fair to say that McDavid is more Lemieux to Matthews being Yager? Lemieux, a little more all-around hockey player? Matthews is going to play until he's 73? Probably, yes. That's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Get get over the fact that Yarmir Yager literally was collecting Social Security while still playing in the NHL. It's totally fine. But fair to say that, that Yarmir Yager was not not a one-sided player, but he was good for one thing. Lemieux, a little more all-around hockey player. I, I, I suppose so. I, I'm I'm trying to think of a better example. But I mean, I would say like, Cro- yeah, I would say like Crosby, Ovi, but that's not right. That, it's that not, yeah, it's not quite the same. But it, I mean, I get where you're going in that. That yeah, I think Connor McDavid is the more complete player, and Austin Matthews might do a few things better, but isn't all around better. Okay. Yeah, I can get on board. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you can't deny McDavid's speed, his foot and his edge work. I told you. It's probably a sin for me to like worship this guy and how he skates. Like he he's incredible. He doesn't move like Matt. He moves better than Matthews does. But Matthews is also on the cover of GQ, so he's kind of like a, a bona fide stud. So <laughs> some of those coats he was wearing, I mean, he just he, he fits the bill. And if he gets sheltered and he you know becomes the captain of that team, I, I can live with your comparison to a degree. So I, I can't fight that. I mean, how can you deny McDavid his speed? Like, He's fast as hell. Oh, my God. All right. Well, because it rarely ever happens, we're going to end the show on me being right. Uh, but also, <laughs> I want to end this because I'm very, very scared about why Justin keeps talking about Connor McDavid's feet and Austin Matthews looking good on the cover of a magazine. And uh, Watch it, buddy. Go check out that big red coat. Big red coat, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but honestly, this has been a great show. Had a great time with it. Uh, please... Please listen Sunday as for the first time ever, we're going to do our post-game analysis of Michigan, Michigan State, live all together. We're going to have a couple beers, have a good time, uh, get to really enjoy it for the first time. And, yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, my thanks to Justin Marcus. Hey, anytime, buddy. I love it. Love it, love it. Uh, Russ Ivanak, you're the smartest one here, and uh, without your stats, this show would probably would sound a lot worse. I'm going to cut out that you're the smartest one here thing. I'm going to play it for myself every night. Thank you so much, buddy. Yeah, no problem. I pay you a compliment once a decade. Uh, And (laughs) I'm your host, Eric Dorsch. 
That's one small step for us, one giant leap back in Detroit sports broadcasting. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul.